This episode, we take a look at the earliest history of one of our supporting characters, Mistress Death. Hello, welcome back to Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast. I'm your host, Al Sedano. This episode is going to be the third in our Resurrection Supplemental Series. And in case you don't remember or you're brand new and you want to know what is Resurrection Supplemental, well, normally in this show, we focus on the characters of Adam Warlock or Thanos, obviously. However, there are other characters who are going to come up a lot in their stories. And these are the episodes where we focus on those guys. We're talking characters like Gamora, Drax, Moondragon, the Man-Beast, and Mistress Death. And today, we're going to be talking about the very first appearance of Death in a Marvel, well, at this point in time when it was published, the company was called Timely, comic. The reason we've already done two episodes with Death and we're only just now getting to the first appearance is because I didn't have access to that issue before. But thanks to a recent Comixology sale, I now do have it. So sit back, and we're going to have a promo break, and then we're going to come back and talk about Marvel Mystery Comics number 21 and the Golden Age Vision. Hi, I'm John Wilson. And I'm Michael Kaiser. And we're the hosts of the podcast Make Ours Marvel. You know, here we are in 2018, 10 years into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, can you believe we live in a world where everyone's old Aunt Petunia knows who Iron Man is? It's crazy, right? So, to celebrate, we're on our mission to explore the roots of the Marvel Universe. You know you've thought about it. Some of you may have even done it. And now we're going to do it, too. We're diving back into the long boxes of Marvel's history and podcasting our way through the whole universe. All of it. Every superhero issue. And, if I can convince Mike, we'll even do Sergeant Fury. And it's not going to be one issue per episode. That'd take forever. <laughs> it's still going to take forever. But no. We're going to talk about as many comics as we can in an hour. Yep, an hour and, you know, maybe a little change. Every week, Marvel Comics. So it'd be super cool if you came along for the ride. Look for us every Friday at MakeOursMarvel.com. That's MakeOursMarvel.com. Or on iTunes and all the other usual podcasty places. And if you want to read along with us and send us your thoughts, we might even read emails. So until Avengers Infinity War gets a spin-off Warlock and the Infinity Watch TV show... Make ours Marvel. So who is the Golden Age Vision? His real name is Arcus, A-A-R-K-U-S, and he was created by Jack Kirby and Joe Simon, or maybe just Jack Kirby, as according to some, including Roy Thomas, his first story may have been done by Kirby only. Anyway, he was created in Marvel Mystery Comics number 13, November 1940. The Vision is an alien law enforcement officer from another dimension called Smoke World, and he appears and disappears in smoke. I read the first story from Marvel Mystery number 13, 
which is reprinted in Marvel Masterworks Golden Age Marvel Volume 4. Scientist Dr. Enoch Mason is trying to explore into other dimensions, and lucky for him brings the vision over right when he's being attacked by mobsters looking for either the money he owes, which he used to fund his experiments, or to blow up his house with him in it, which is probably not the best way to get their money back. The vision, at least in this story, comes across very much like the Spectre from DC, freezing one of the mobsters with just a touch and tricking the other one into running straight into an oncoming car. The Vision is also able to change his form, at least he does in the first story, although he's not going to be doing that in the issue we're actually going to be talking about for this episode. But he can change form to look like a normal human, as only those close to death can see my true form. That's my Vision voice. In his true form, he's very tall and lanky, with green skin and a bald, bulbous head. He wears an all-green costume with a red and yellow cape, and if you look at him next to the Vision we know from Avengers, you can see how that look just had to be tweaked just a little bit to turn the one into the other. The Vision definitely seems to be one of the lower-tier Golden Age timely characters, as he only appeared in 13 issues of Marvel Mystery Comics from issues 13 to 48, as well as an issue of Kid Comics, and that's it for the Golden Age. In the Silver Age, he did show up in an issue of Marvel Superheroes, number 13, which is actually the second appearance of Captain Marvel, but that was just a backup reprint. And he sort of showed up in the 70s in Avengers 97, which is the last part of the Kree-Skrull War. And, well, spoilers for this over 40, almost 50-year-old story. (laughs) But in that issue, the latent mental powers of Rick Jones were activated, and he's able to create out of thin air versions of the heroes he read about as a kid to help the Avengers. These, of course, were all the Golden Age timely characters. They weren't the real ones, though, obviously. In the 80s, he popped up in an issue each of What If and Fantastic Four, and the 90s were a bit nicer to him as he showed up in the second half of the 93 Invaders miniseries, the first issue of Marvels, and in a reprint of Marvel Mystery Comics. However, it's funny, but the 21st century seems to be a lot nicer to Division. Since 2004, he has appeared in issues of Avengers Invaders, The Torch, The Twelve, Invaders Now, All New Invaders... There's a lot of Invader series. And X-Men Legacy. And his most recent appearance was just a few months ago in X-Men Grand Design number one. It was 1938. The country continues its slow recovery from the Great Depression, while war clouds loom throughout Asia and German aggression builds in Europe. Americans seek comfort and distraction. It was a time when the most popular form of entertainment was radio. But a new form had been growing steadily and was set to explode. It was to become the golden age of the American comic book. My name is Chris. And my name is Mike. Please join us as we explore comics in the golden age between 1938 and 1955. All genres will be discussed, from superheroes to crime, horror, science fiction, humor, and western. So join us for the Comics in the Golden Age podcast, available through iTunes and Stitcher, and visit us on Facebook or at comicsinthegoldenage.com. Let's get on with our story, shall we? Okay, first of all, before I get into the specifics of this story with who did what, just remember, this is a Golden Age story. Records were not always kept of who did what, or even what the title of the story was from back then. So you kind of have to piece it together. People have to figure out sometimes what it is based on, um, it's almost like a mystery. 
the information I have here about the story, I've pieced together from a couple sources, including ComicBookDB, Mike's Amazing World of Comics, Comic Vine, and the Complete Marvel Reading Order. If you think I'm saying something here that's incorrect, please let me know and tell me why you think it's incorrect. But for now, we're going to go with this as true. The Vision in the Sabotage Schoolhouse. Written by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby. Art by Jack Kirby. Inked by Joe Simon. Cover art by Alex Schomburg. Edited by Joe Simon. Cover dated July 1941. On sale date May 15th, 1941. With a price of 10 cents. And if you want to read this, you can find it reprinted in Marvel Masterworks Golden Age Marvel Comics Volume 6. This story starts with a water spout, which in case you didn't know is a tornado taking place over the ocean, coming off of the Pacific Ocean and hitting a shore town. The police there are alerted to this and it's about to hit PS, that stands for public school in case you didn't know, PS 61. But they're not worried about it because it's a new building and it's built to withstand the winds from a tornado. Except that it's not, as we see teachers and students in danger from the building falling apart around them. And if that wasn't bad enough, the boiler has become dislodged and explodes, setting the building on fire as well. As the burning building falls apart around them, the faculty do their best to try and protect their students, and Death watches and laughs. Now, this does not look like the Death that Thanos is in love with. This is not a beautiful but severe brunette, or a cloak-covered female form with a skull instead of a face. This is an almost inhuman-looking skeleton wearing a cloak and enjoying the horror and terror before it. From the beginning here, we are seeing that Death is not just accepting the souls of the departed, but she's enjoying the fact that they will be entering her realm. Although, I don't think Death actually is going to be depicted as a quote-unquote she until the Jim Starlin Captain Marvel issues, but we're going to use the she pronoun for her because that's 97% of Death's appearances, It's a she, she's a she. The caption even says, The grim specter of Death shrieks in silent glee at the carnage and destruction. This was probably just a way in the 40s, of course, to symbolize that people were dying without actually showing it. But it also does kind of set up her characterization that we're going to see going on to the modern era. Where unlike the character of Death from DC, the one that appeared in The Sandman, that Death, she just has the job of being Death. She doesn't do anything to the living to cause it. She's just there when you die to take you in. This Death, as you can see, is not just waiting for you to come in. This death is enjoying the fact that you're coming. It can't wait for you to come in. And it does help them make sense that years later, she's actually going to be looking for ways to make people come in. Not just enjoy that it's happening, but she's looking for ways to cause it. And little, well, not really a spoiler, but a little teaser. That's what's going to be part of the kickoff for the whole Infinity Gauntlet story. Anyway, back to this story. Out of the smoke... The Vision appears, pulling everyone he can out of the burning building. One of the members of the crowd of onlookers slips away before he's recognized. His name is Colgan, and he was the engineer who designed the building. I mean, they say engineer. I don't know a lot about building buildings. I thought it would be an architect who designed a building. Maybe that's a different type of architect. Maybe they use engineers back then instead of architects, although I'm pretty sure they had architects. Maybe Kirby and Simon just didn't realize that it was an architect. I don't know. Whatever. Colgan heads to the offices of the Paget Construction Company, and he there meets with Mr. Paget to let him know what happened and that the Vision is involved. Now, Mr. Paget gets really nervous when he hears about the Vision's involvement. So nervous that he decides he's going to take a spontaneous vacation and promote Colgan to be the new president of the company. Yay, Colgan! 
Although, Culligan knows he's just being promoted to take the real position of Fall Guy for when it comes out that the Paget Construction Company used substandard building materials and did not build a build, did not actually build a building to code and lied about it to keep the extra money. But when he protests, Paget threatens to tell the cops about the murder that Colgan committed years ago. So stuck with really no good option, Colgan says yes to the promotion. Soon enough, the truth about the shoddy building materials comes out and newspapers and politicians are demanding action. Senator Reeves is appointed head of a committee to investigate the matter. And as he travels by train, a desperate Colgan sets a bomb on the track in hopes of stopping the investigation. However, the vision comes out of the smoke from the train, throws the bomb away, and captures Colgan for the senator. Later on, when Colgan is being interrogated, he is shot by Paget, who is hanging outside the window. Too bad for him, there's a little smoke coming out of his gun, and the vision pops out, who beats the holy hell out of him. Enough that rather than deal the vision anymore, Paget confesses. The end. Okay, we gave you a synopsis of the story, but I just want to go through it real quick, looking at it. In case there's anything that pops out of me as I'm looking at the art, or at least something I want to describe. It's only a seven-page story anyway, we'll do it pretty quickly. So the first page has a, uh, the first panel on, it's a big three-quarters of the page. Not really part of the story, more like one of those uh, second covers you would see a lot in the Golden Age. Sorry, I mean the Silver Age. You know, like you have the cover of the story, and then you open it up, and the first page is almost like... Well, a second cover telling you what's happening in the story, which always was weird to me. I mean, it's one thing if it's, if it's uh, issued as multiple stories, and this is one of the stories that's not getting the cover. But the one that has the cover, why do you need the secondary cover? It just feels like it's a waste page. Unless, of course, they didn't know which one was going to get the cover. But otherwise, I don't know. Anyway, here we have this giant three-quarters of the page panel of the vision holding what it looks like, I'm assuming, a little boy protecting him from the falling debris from the school obviously page two is where we see most of the destruction of the school from the tornado and the fire and it does look pretty horrific there's smoke everywhere which is good because that's how the vision shows up but parts of the building are falling over we we keep seeing these images of teachers holding kids trying to protect them with their own bodies and of course when the broiler blows up there's fire everywhere like I said, there's got to be several of these teachers and students who are dead in this issue. No wonder Death is enjoying it. And on page three, when uh, Colgan goes to talk to Mr. Paget and tell him about the vision, it's great. Paget's in there like a 40s mobster with his suit and his hands clasped like Mr. Burns with a cigar in his mouth. And as soon as he's told the vision's involved, he just looks scared as hell. The cigar's falling out of his mouth. He's like, what? The vision? The guy who jumps out of smoke? <laughs> oh, crap. I'm out of here. In page four, Colgan's setting the dynamite on the railroad tracks to try and make the train crash and kill the senator and probably a hell of a lot of other people. He looks really happy with his plan, which is really stupid. I mean, what does he think is going to happen? Hmm, the guy we have investigating this shoddy construction was killed by a bomb that disrailed the train and killed a whole lot of other people. Oh, well, I guess we shouldn't do anything about it. (laughs) That's just, Colgan's just really desperate. It's lucky for him the Vision stopped his plan and made sure the bomb didn't blow up the train, because otherwise he definitely would have got the death penalty. Granted, he was killed, so I guess he did get the death penalty, but... And finally, on page six, when the Vision is fighting Paget, and I say fighting, it's actually just a beatdown. I mean, literally, it's what, one, two, three, four, 
five panels. Five panels of the Vision just smacking this guy around. He is just beating the crap out of him, which he fully deserves. And most likely, he got the death penalty. It was a fun little story. And it was awesome that Comixology had this sale, which they have going on right now. Actually, check it out. They have some sale Marvel stuff. I think it changes like every week. I don't know how long it's going to be going on for, but for like 99 cents. That's all I paid for this masterwork. It's four issues of Marvel Mystery Comics, and I paid 99 cents for it. Hopefully the sale is still going on after this episode's out, so go check it out. Maybe there's something there you want to get. This show can now be found on Stitcher. In case you don't know what Stitcher is, Stitcher is Radio On Demand, a free app that lets you listen to all your favorite shows, plus discovered from 20,000 others. Available on iOS, Android, Nook, and iPad. Don't have Stitcher? Download it free today at Stitcher.com or in the App Store. If you ask any podcaster, they will say one of the most awesome things is when you get feedback of any type. And because of that, we all love to thank you people. Because it's awesome. So here's your thanks. On Facebook, the posts for episode 75, The Trial of Adam Warlock, as well as the promo that I put up two weeks ago, was liked and shared by... Roderick Castle III, Joe Sedano, Charles K. Daly, Pat Sampson, Darren and Ruth Sutherland, Mike Peacock, Michael Lane, Guntum Shiorin, Mark Adams, Laura Campbell Kennison, Mark Smith's Podcasts, Michael Allen Carlisle, Clifford Alvarez, and the guy who I thanked also about, I think in episode 75, the guy from Hong Kong who is from the comic books in the Bronze Age group, whose name I can't read because it is in Chinese letters. And I don't know how to read that, unfortunately. Please, in some way, send me a message, send an email, a voice message, just write in on Facebook or whatever. I'd love to know how to pronounce your name, so if you like and share this again, I can thank you properly. Same thing with you, Mr. Shuren, because I'm not sure if I pronounce your first name right. Now, on Twitter, we were liked and retweeted by Karok Big E Podcast, Well Kept and Unclean, EMZT Radio Podcasts and Productions, Christian and Damon's Amazing Nerd Show, Joe Crawford, Could Have Happened, Let's Get Shitty Show Podcast, Jason Snick Menable, Alex's Comic Rant, Myrna Loy, Comics in the Golden Age, ITG Blogcast, Movie Reviews and 20 Qs Podcast, Lost in Time, Unearthly Visions, Kevin Kendrick, John M. Wilson is Podcasting Again, Grawlix Podcast, Mr. Rogers Stunt Double, Pod Genie, Jabberjaw Media, and Jeffrey Brown. Also, on our Tumblr page, we're actually starting to get people now liking the posts for the episodes, which is great. So thank you to Port of Saints, Critic Bannon, and Thanos of the Eternals. Speaking of Tumblr, it is time for me to thank a few more of you who have been liking our blog on there. So thank you to Some Girls Blog, Mr. JJJ Comics, Pulp to Pixel, Headley808, and Dorloost. Now, if you want to be one of the people that I think on the next episode, all you got to do is at least like and or share our posts on Facebook or Twitter or Tumblr. Facebook, just type in Adam Warlock in the search box. You'll find us. Twitter, at Adam Thanos Pod. Follow us there. The Tumblr page is resurrectionsadamwarlock.tumblr.com. And of course, besides liking and sharing, you can also comment on any of those things or send an email. Resurrectionspodcast at yahoo.com. Here's a little surprise. We're going to be doing the friends and enemies section this episode. Which was surprising to me, especially, because 
I just assumed we wouldn't have any comics to do a Friends and Enemies segment. After all, all those titles would not have started yet. Fantastic Four, Incredible Hulk, Marvel Premiere, even Strange Tales won't start until the early 50s. But there was Daredevil. Granted, not the Daredevil we know, the one from the current Marvel comics and of course from the Netflix series, Matt Murdock. But there was a title called Daredevil in the 40s. Published by Lev Gleason Productions, Daredevil number one was on the stands the same cover month as this issue by Charles Brio and Jack Cole, creator of Plastic Man Jack Cole. The story was called Daredevil Battles Hitler. And this is the Golden Age Daredevil, who had a red and blue costume, kind of looked like the in-betweener. Half it was red, half was blue, straight down the middle. He wore a yellow spiked belt, kind of looks like a dog collar. And he threw boomerangs. And the cover for this one is pretty awesome, and we're definitely going to put this one in the show notes. As you have Daredevil, I think that character's called the Silver Streak, and I'm not sure who the other two are, fighting Hitler. It's a giant Hitler. It's back that it looks almost like a like a rotoscope type picture. Like they did draw it, but it looked like it was drawn on on a, um, a picture of an it was drawn on an actual picture of Hitler, at least the face. And of course, we also have the Claw in the lower corner, and the Claw was a villain who at the time actually had his own strip. I was not expecting to be able to do a Friends and Enemies, but here we are. So that's what was out this month. Definitely should check out this cover in the show notes. It's pretty cool. Ah, after a long day of criminal activity, there's nothing I like better than to sit down and listen to the old radio. Wait a minute, that's not a radio, it's... Plastic Man! Plastic Man! Plastic Man! That's right, it's the Plasticast, a brand new podcast dedicated to Plastic Man. I'm your host, Max Romero. Together, we'll be talking about Plastic Man in the Golden Age, the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, and every other age you can think of, right up to his upcoming reappearance in DC Rebirth. We'll also be talking about any Plastic Man news that might be coming up, and his appearances in every media from comics to cartoons. Makes me woozy just to think about it. I hope you'll join me to talk about the longest arm of the law here on the Plasticast, here on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Plastic Man! That's all for this time. I hope you enjoy this little look back at the Golden Age. I do enjoy doing these episodes. It's nice to have a little creative change once in a while. Our next supplemental episode, which will be, who knows, we're going to be covering the second appearance of Death, because it's in the same issue. Marvel Mystery Comics number 21, but it's in a story featuring the Golden Age Angel. But that'll be several episodes down the road. We're not going to do that right away. We're going back to the 70s next episode, don't worry. And also, if you're looking for something to listen to in between, go check out my other show, The Pop Culture Palace Presents. Find that on iTunes and Google Play, or just go to the website, thepopculturepalace.com. The most recent episode we put out, which was last week, it was episode 10. It was the third part of our comic book ages discussion, in which John Wilson, you know who he is, Brian Zeno, and W. Blaine Dowler and I talk about the Silver Age. Go give it a listen, and then we'll see you here in two weeks. Bye. Resurrections, an Adam Warlock and Thanos podcast, is a fan-made production 
and no copyright infringement is intended or happening or even understood. The opening music for this podcast is Intro Pompeii by Lino Rise, and the closing music is Dark and Dramatic by DJ Puzzle. Both are licensed by the Creative Commons license. You can find Lino Rise at free-intro-music.com and DJ Puzzle at peacelovproductions.com. Links to both can be found on the Tumblr page.